You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. It's really good to be here this morning and just uh, to be asked to speak. I'm really honored. Uh, I love this church. I love this place. Um, From the first time that I heard Andrew speak, I hadn't even come here yet. I just pulled up the website and listened to the podcast, and it was like 30 seconds in. I was like, this is the place I've been looking for. And uh, since we've started coming here, I mean, it's just been amazing. God is doing something in this place. He's doing something at this church. And uh, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm afraid if I try to pin it down on something, I'll miss it when it gets here. But uh, he's doing something here. There's something that's going to break out at this church. And uh, it's just amazing. Uh, Andrew asked me to share my story, um, kind of what's where I kind of where I came from, and then what God has been doing in my life. Uh, I'm not going to make any promises this morning. I'm probably only half the speaker that Andrew is. Uh, so to make up for that, I, I may just talk twice as long, so you guys get <laughs> kind of the uh, you know the full benefit. I actually, where's April? She's over here somewhere. Hmm? Oh, there she is. Yeah, getting coffee in the back. All right. I. Um, <laughs> Uh, you might need it. I asked April uh, when I was, you know, kind of thinking what I was going to say. I kind of cooked up that joke about I'm only half the speaker, so I'll speak twice as long. I was like, is that funny? Should I say that? She was like, oh, you're going to scare him. <laughs> I was like, first off, thank you. Secondly, uh, they'll probably know I was joking, hopefully. But anyway, so Andrew asked me to share my story and, and speak about what God's been doing in my heart and in my life. So that's what I'm going to do. But I do just want to pray real quick and just invite God to just come and move among us. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you so much for who you are, for what you do in our lives. God, we value your presence. We know you're always here, God. We know your presence is always among us. But we ask, God, that you just allow us to reposition our hearts or help us to reposition our hearts and reposition our minds and open our eyes to what you are doing uh, so that we can see and feel your presence. Just like, um, uh, just, just like Elisha when he uh, told his servant to open his eyes and he looked and he saw the angels everywhere around him. God, that stuff is here. You're here. Your angels are here, God. You are among us and moving in this place, God. We just want to open our eyes to see what it is you're doing, to see what it is we've been brought into. We love you. We value your presence. We thank you for who you are. We love you in Jesus' name. All right. So a little bit about my story. First of all, I have a ton of people over here. A lot of family here for the first time. My mom, my stepdad, my my, uh, sister... And her husband, and then there's my brother, his, uh, his wife. They have a, a, a really young son, so she's staying home with him. But he's actually down here from South Carolina. If any of you guys are registered to vote in South Carolina District 42, please cast your vote for him for the House of Representatives. Uh, if, I, if I wouldn't get busted for voter fraud, I'd do it. But it's great to have these guys here. Um, but okay, my story. So I've been raised in, in church my whole life been, you know, we were like, we were super church people, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, 
Like somebody once said, uh, well, Andrew always says like, born on Saturday and church on Sunday. And then somebody else used to say like, if the pastor was washing the windows on Tuesday night, we lined up in the pew and we watched him do it. Like that was our family. We were always in church, always, always there just, um, you know, being involved in whatever we could be involved in in the church. And uh, I, was, uh, I was raised Baptist. I also went to uh, Christian school from kindergarten all the way up to high school. And uh, so had a great Christian education, and I love my Baptist background. I'm so thankful for it. There was a lot of good, solid Bible teaching, and, uh, and we just, you know, I learned a ton of scripture, a lot of good doctrinal teaching. So that was awesome. And uh, sometime around when I was uh, a junior, senior in high school, I began to uh, want to go into like full-time ministry and be a pastor or something, something in ministry. I didn't really know what. So I decided I was going to go to uh, Bible college and pursue a pastoral ministries degree. So I enrolled in Arlington Baptist College, and I moved out to Texas. I was from here originally, moved out to Texas, and uh, started going to school there to be a, a pastor or a preacher um, at my Baptist college. Well, I came home after the second year that I was in school, and it was summertime. came home, and, and my mom and dad sat me down and said... Uh, Son, we have something important to tell you. And I was like, are you getting a divorce? Like, what, what's happening here? I was nervous. And uh, they said, we've been going to a Pentecostal church. And I was like, like what? Why would you, why would you do that? Like, and, um, and just, I was like, what, what, why? And... Um, They started telling me about the different things that they've been seeing and things that have been spoken to them that was just like, man, this is just crazy. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, it is crazy. You know, like, I, I don't want any part of this. But my dad actually challenged me that night. And he said, you know, you are in ministry school. You want to follow God. And he said, what if you're wrong? And what if God's in this? He said, do you want to live your whole life? Do you want to end up? in heaven at the end of your life and realizing you missed totally something that God had for you. I was like, all right, fine, I'll go. You know, you got me, I'll go. So we went Sunday morning, I think that week, I went to the Baptist church that I was raised in. Sunday night, we went to uh, that, the Pentecostal church that they'd been going to. And after the service, like the pastor would preach and then they had a guy that would walk around and he'd just kind of go through Everybody would be kind of standing and singing, and he'd just walk through, and he'd pull people out, and he'd talk to them, and uh, just, he'd just prophesy over them and uh, pray for healing if they needed healing. But he was calling out things in people that I'm like, man, this is either like, this is either really from God, or he's slipping them 20 bucks after the service and telling them, oh, thanks for playing along. I mean, I'm as skeptical as I could be at this point. But he goes through, and he's talking to people, and then he comes up, and he talks to my brother who's sitting right next to me. And now I know, as he's speaking into my brother's life, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, now I know, because he doesn't know this guy, but what he's saying is, you know, it's, it's kind of freaking me out a little bit at this point in my life. I had no grid for any of it. But I looked down at the floor at that point, because God was starting to convict me that there's something happening here. And I looked down at the floor, and with my mouth closed, didn't say a word out loud to anybody. I said, God, if this is real, then I want it. Yeah. And that man stopped talking to my brother. 
He pointed a finger at me and said, if this is real, then I want it. You just prayed that to God right now, didn't you? Now, you had to pick my jaw up off the floor. I was just absolutely blown away. I was like, yes, that's true. Also, does anyone have a new pair of pants? Because that just, that, I got to be honest, it freaked me out, but it was, it was awesome. So he said, he said, God wants you to know it is real, and you're going to have it. And he told me to stand up, and he started to pray over me, and he started saying stuff about some, you're going to have a powerful anointing and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this means, you know, like totally, completely, 100% foreign. But it was like, you know, it, it was awesome. I could, I could feel the presence of God everywhere. And that started a time in my life where the miraculous was just everywhere. It was all around me. I mean, I, I, I couldn't get away from it. I went back to my college and me and a friend started like, I told him the story and he was rocked by it like, like as much as if he had been there. And uh, so we started looking through the scripture and trying to find out, like, what, what is this stuff about? And we actually almost got kicked out of, our, uh, out of our college because we started kind of rounding up crowds of people and, you know, no, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, we're like ter- tearing, the, you know, tearing the scripture apart, getting everybody to, um, you know, trying to show them what the Bible says about, the, the spirit and all this stuff and they had a, a chapel service devoted to if you keep doing this you're going to be booted so we had we did have to tone it down a little bit but um but yeah god at, at that time just kept pouring things into me i mean like stuff i had no grid for like visions and dreams and god even at, during this time i i heard the inner audible voice of God for the first time in my life, which Jay last week used that term. I'd never heard that term before, the inner audible voice of God. And, uh, but I was like, that's it. That's what that is. Like, um, he, he told me one, I don't know if I'm going to share this, but he told me three times to do something. Uh, I'd been praying and seeking God. Like, I, I want this thing, this feeling of, of Holy Spirit. I want this so bad. I don't, I don't even know what it is, but I want it. And, um, and one night, I heard that inner audible voice of God where he just like, boom, just like kicked me in the stomach with words that didn't come from my own head. It was so bizarre. And, uh, and he told me to do something and I, I didn't want to do it. It's awkward. I don't want to do that. And he told me twice. And then a third time, that same voice just telling me. And uh, I didn't want to do it. And finally, he basically said to me, I'm trying to do this for you, what you've been asking me to do. Can you take a step out and get outside of yourself for just a second? I was like, okay, fine. It's not in so many words. I'll tell you the story sometime. It's pretty funny. But um, I was like, okay, fine. So I, I did. I took that step, and he just uh, just overtook me and filled me with his spirit, and it's just amazing. But I went through this time in my life where God was doing all of this stuff in me, and um, I wish I could say, that was like 10 years ago. I wish I could say that, from then on, it's just, I've just progressed further and further in, in the presence of God, and everything's been amazing. I wish I could say that, uh, but unfortunately, that season of my life kind of ended. Um, I didn't know who I was in Christ. I, had, I didn't have any grounding in, in intimacy. I knew a ton about Him. I knew a ton about God, but I didn't have this deep, abiding 
intimate relationship that can sustain that kind of move of God in your life. And so it just kind of, um, you know, started off filled and then, like Andrew says, you leak. You know, it just kind of leaked a little bit until I was kind of back to where I was and spent quite a few years in that place where it was not bad, but there was just no revival happening in my life. I believe, guys, that God wants to send revival to this church. I believe we're in some kind of beginning stages of it. I mean, I can see it. He wants to send revival to this place, and he's going to send revival to this place, but he wants us to have sustained revival. He doesn't want another flash in the pan, another 15 minutes of fame. He wants to send sustained revival to this place, revival that can spread from here to the city, to the region. That's what he wants for us. I believe that's what we want, but we're going to have to be people who can steward that before he gives it to us. Because if we don't, guys, if our identity is coming from revival, we're going to let the, pretty soon the revival is going to become, if that's our identity, we're just going to be as good as the revival. And pretty soon that's going to lead to pride. And then we're going to start thinking it's all about me or it's all about, you know, whoever. It's all about Andrew. He's going to feel like it's all about him if that's his identity. And God doesn't want that. Not that he thinks that. I'm just saying. That's, if we, if our identity is wrapped up in something like, revival. It's going to lead to pride, and God doesn't want that. So he wants to send sustained revival, but we're going to have to be people who know who we are to be able to handle it, to be able to pull our identity from who we really are and not from the things going on around us. I want to look at Galatians chapter 3, if uh, you guys want to turn there. I don't know if it's up on the screen or what's going to happen here, but uh, Galatians chapter 3, In this chapter, Paul, or actually the whole book, really, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And this church was not, uh, these were Gentile Christians. And so they weren't Jewish. They didn't have the Jewish background. They didn't know really about the Old Testament and all this kind of stuff. They just knew that Paul had showed up in their city, began to preach Christ, and it was awesome. So they realized that they were dead in trespasses and sins and that Christ had, had come to save them. And they, were, uh, they had started off just in simple faith in Christ. That's all they needed. That's all Paul preached. And somewhere along the line in this church at Galatia, somebody had come in and started telling them, well, you guys are doing great with this, you know, following Jesus thing, but you're really missing it when it comes to the laws in Leviticus. And you guys really aren't, uh, you know, you're not keep properly keeping the, the Jewish feasts. And this kind of stuff that... Uh, they brought, somebody had come into this church and had brought religion back into it. These guys, the church of Galatia had true freedom from religion. And then somebody had come in and started preaching religion to him. Well, you need to keep this rule. You need to keep this feast. You need to make that sacrifice. And Paul writes this, this book of Galatians to talk to them about the, our need to step away from that stuff and just rest in Christ. So verses 1 through 5 in uh, Colossians 3 says, and I don't know if it's going to be up there or not, or excuse me, Galatians, yeah. I said Colossians because I had turned to Colossians. Galatians 3, that would have been bad. Galatians 3, 1 through 5, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, and by the way, I, I don't know what's up there, but like all I read from because I was raised Baptist, I'm just into the King James. But I also have the spiritual gift of being able to, to 
quickly on the fly, it's not a spiritual gift, guys, I'm just kidding, to quickly on the fly turn King James into like normal English. So hopefully I'll be able to do that for you. Uh, He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you would not believe the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learned from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit that you are now made perfect by your flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He says here in in, in verse number 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? We fall into this exact same trap. We, We start out in Christ, and we start out believing that, uh, that he is all we need, that he is all in all, that we are in him, that he is in us. But then we take that next step by our own works. We do this all the time. We do things like we negotiate with God. We tell him, well, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. God, if you'll just do this for me, I promise I'll never do that again. That's the kind of stuff we don't realize who we are. We don't realize what we have access to. And so we try to make those little deals with God. We do things like we pray differently. Like if we really want something, we might start throwing some these and thou's around. You know, we might, we might start picking up the, the, the Queen's English to try to move God to do something on our behalf. That shows that we don't really know who we are and who he is in us. We don't know what we have access to. Um, but we do that kind of thing. We, one thing that I know I'm personally guilty of is if I'm trying, if I want God to move in, in one way or another, I'll find myself avoiding certain you know, pet sins and things like that. And that's a good thing to, you know, to avoid those sins. But if we're doing it to try to get God to think, oh, wow, well, he's not doing that anymore. He's worthy now. I can bless him in that way. That shows that we don't understand how he sees us. We don't understand who we are in him. We don't understand what we have access to. And so we're trying our best to, to twist God's arm or make him like us more or think that we're more worthy of his blessing. And that's, that is not at all uh, how this thing works. Guys, we were totally 100% dead in trespasses and sins. This thing that we are involved in, the gospel, this epic thing of the gospel, was settled long before we were even born, right? He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, right? Philippians says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Not you who have begun a good work in yourself, or he who has begun a good work in you now wants you to do this, this, and this in order for you to help out in the completion of it. It's not at all how this thing works. Guys, we can't afford to, to pull our identity from our spiritual experiences, right? Otherwise, we're only as good in the sight of God as our last whatever, our last time that, th- that the Spirit moved on us, as our last manifestation, the whatever. We're only going to be as good as the last time we heard the voice of God, right? We're going to be thinking, oh, God, I, I don't know what's happening. Where are you? Where'd you go? I haven't heard you speak to me in six months, and now I don't know what's happening. Do you even love me anymore? We can't afford to have our identity from that. We need to have our identity settled. Guys, we can't afford to have our identity or to find our identity in our gifting. Right? Otherwise, you're only as good as the last person that got healed when you prayed for him. Right? 
Or you're only as good as the last time you prophesied over somebody and, and, and you nailed it, right? If, if, if you're, you're talking to somebody and you're like, man, I, I believe God wants me to share this with you. And this, this is, I think this is what is on God's heart for you. And they're like, that ain't me, bro. That's probably for that guy right there. But that ain't for me. Like, oh, God, where are you? I thought you loved me. I thought, I thought I knew who you were. I thought you wanted me to. Like, we can't afford to have our identity all wrapped up in our gifting. It's either going to lead to pride or condemnation if we do that, yeah. right? We're either going to be so proud of ourselves. Man, God, you must really love me because the last three people I prayed for got healed. And you must really think I'm worthy and I'm so awesome in your sight because of that. Right. Or it's going to lead to condemnation, right? Just what I just talked about. Like, oh, God, where are you? What, what, what happened? I, it seems like nobody's getting healed when I pray for them. It seems like... You know, every time I get up here to speak, just, you know, everyone falls asleep. Like it's <laughs> we cannot have our identity drawn from stuff like that. We've got to know who we are. We've got to, guys, we've got to get this thing settled that we had nothing to do with the beginning of this thing. So we don't have anything to do with the completion of it. This, this chapter three, I wish I could, honestly, guys, I wish I could spend like, Wish we could like break for lunch and then come back for like 15 more hours and I could just go over the book of Galatians because it is awesome. Um, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But I'm going to just explain kind of uh, the way that Paul shows us in Galatians chapter 3 how we had absolutely nothing to do with where we are in Christ, what he did for us, how it all was done way back before and how there's no way we can mess it up. And so there's no need for us to even try to make it better. Um, Paul talks about, in, in Galatians 3, he talks about Abraham. And he lets them, or he's telling the Galatians about what we call the Abrahamic covenant that was formed back in Genesis. Where God, before there was a, a Jewish people at all, God calls out Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make out of you a great nation. And through your seed, all the people of the world will be blessed. So, God calls out Abraham and he gives him this promise. And all Abraham had to do was just believe. It says in chapter 3 that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So that's all he had to do was believe. And that God was going to do the rest. Now Paul says in here that when we believe, we are blessed with faithful Abraham. So he puts us kind of in the same boat with Abraham. But you go on a little bit more and Paul talks about how God made the promise that through Abraham's seed, all the people of the world would be blessed. Well, who was the seed? Sunday school answer. Who was the, who was the seed? Jesus, right? It's always Jesus. So God says that Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. And through your seed, all the people of the world will be blessed. Paul says, he points out here that God didn't say through your seeds, as many, like all of your descendants, he just said, through your seed will all the people of the world be blessed. Then he goes on. I want to read uh, verse 27 through 29 in Galatians 3. Remember, he said, through your seed, all the people of the world will be blessed. And in verse 27, he says, for as many of you, well, excuse me, let me, let me just say before I even read that. So this promise, this promise of that God made to say, through your seed will all the people of the world be blessed. The seed was Jesus, right? So here's Abraham in the middle. A covenant, we always talk about it as a covenant between God and Abraham. Well, kind of, 
But Abraham was just in the middle. All he had to do was believe. The covenant was God, the Father, and through your seed, your seed is the one who's going to bless the world. Who is the seed? Jesus, right? So through your seed, all the people of the world will be blessed. So the covenant was between the Father and the Son. And Abraham's just in the middle saying, okay, I believe that. I'll take that. And he gets to be the one to reap the benefits of it. So we, when we believe, we are brought in just like Abraham into something that we have absolutely nothing to do with and we just have to rest in it. We just have to believe it. And here we get to reap the benefits. Let's look at 3, 27 through 29. He says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And here's where... Here's where Paul just drops the mic and walks away. You ready for this? <laughs> and if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you be in Christ, if you, if you have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, your identity, you are now in Christ. This is your identity. This is who you are. You are now heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, and now you are Abraham's seed. Through you will all the people of the world be blessed. Right? Through you, all the people of the world will be blessed. You are Abraham's seed. If you've been baptized into Christ, have put him on as your identity, through you, through me, will all the people of the world be blessed. That's good news. Uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Remember? Andrew says this all the time. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said, tag, you're it. Right? You are the light of the world. He said, I am the living water. And then he said, if you believe in me, you find your identity in me and what I've done for you out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, right? Guys, yeah, we are in this thing, guys. This, we are baptized into Christ. That is our identity. And now we are that seed of Abraham. Through you, all the people of the world will be blessed. As arise and shine for your light has come. All nations of the world will be drawn to your light. Uh, Jesus said, I give, or he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Then he said, you go. You heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cleanse the lepers, you cast out demons. Freely you've been given, or freely you've received, now freely give. There's nothing, we were brought into this thing. It was done long before we were even born. Before the world was even made, it was settled. There's nothing we can do to, uh, to add to it. Nothing we can do to make it better. We certainly can't mess it up. But we're going to make it a lot harder on ourselves if we keep trying to add to it with our own work. All nations will be blessed through you. It's amazing. As everyone wants a king like Jesus. Everyone wants a king like Jesus. He is absolutely the desire of the nations. Even people who tell you, get out of my face. I don't want that. I've had enough of this church stuff. They still want a king like Jesus, guys. Everyone wants him. He's absolutely what we need. The whole earth. Read Romans amazing the whole earth the whole creation is groaning for us to manifest our dad it's what it says in romans guys that the the entire creation is calling out for the sons of god to be revealed in the earth we need to realize what we carry what we've been brought into what we have access to who we are guys the whole earth is waiting for us to manifest our dad Absolutely amazing. The power, the authority that we have in Christ. 
And we just need to wake up to it and realize that it's not by our strength. It's not by our striving. It's not by me trying to pull myself up by my spiritual bootstraps, give it the old college try, go out there. And guys, how many times, how many times when we pray for somebody, do we start thinking halfway through it? Oh, hope I'm saying the right words. Hope I'm getting this right. I hope, I hope, uh, oh, did I, I, I need to remember to rebuke the spirit of some made up thing out there. Come on, guys. Like we, we don't need that. Let's just settle this thing. Like, we are in Christ. He's in us. We, Christ is in us, right? And we are in Christ. And Christ is in the Father. And we're seated with him in heavenly places. I can show you all the verses in here. I mean, come talk to me later. We can go through the whole book. It's in there, guys. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. Christ is in the Father. We're seated with him in heavenly places. Like, we can't get any more wrapped up in this thing, and we had nothing to do with it. It was a fixed fight from the beginning. Like, we, we are in it. So here's what it comes down to. Like, the, the world is calling out for this thing. The world wants it. The world needs it. He's in us, guys. He's in us. And we need, the world needs us to let him out. So here's what it comes down to. Is that we're sons. We're sons. We're We're not servants. We're sons. When I, uh, when I was a kid, my dad was a, a police officer, Orlando Police Department. And I remember sometimes I'd get to go to the police station with him. And I'd walk around that place like I own the joint, right? I'd walk around there, chest stuck out. Hey, Officer Smith, working hard or hardly working, am I right? You know, looks like Lieutenant Sanchez has a case of the Mondays. You know, like, what, what was I doing? I was walking in the identity of my father, If somebody would have told me for a minute, hey, what are you doing? You can't be here, kid. I'd have been like, what are you talking about? See that guy over there? That's my dad. <laughs> I should put you to work. <laughs> right? As I never once sat down and thought, okay, hmm, okay, my dad is officer, so I guess I have the ability and the authority to act like this. No, it was just in there. It was settled. I didn't sit there and try to think about it in my head. I just knew it. I knew that I, I owned that place. I could walk around. And ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Like, I, you know, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew talks about it all the time, like walking into some place, opening the door and saying, the kingdom is here. Like, it was just in me. I didn't need to, I didn't work it up. There was no like, you know, okay, now, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the police station with my dad today. Okay, how am I going to act around the officers? It was just in me. That's just who I was. It was there. And, that's where, guys, it comes that we're sons. Mm-hmm. We are sons of God. We're not servants. We're all sons. Daughters, ladies, you're daughters, but you're sons. Men, you're the bride, okay? So <laughs> let's, get the, let's get this thing settled. It even says here there's neither male nor female. We're all just one in Christ. So if you don't like being called a son, sorry, I'm, I'm the bride. <laughs> you do, but some of the ladies may not. But you're a son. Ladies, you're a son. Men, you're the bride. So we can, get, we can just get past this thing. Paul says it's possible. He shows that it's possible for us to be sons and not really know it. He, he talks about it. If you look in, in chapter 4, verse 1, I'm not going to read it, but he says that the son, 
or the heir, because he says that we're heirs of God, we're sons of God, the son or the heir, when he's a child, he's really no different from the servant. Even though he has everything in his account, he doesn't really understand that. So he's really the same as the servant. And we can live in that place, guys. We can live in that place. I mean, we have. I've done it. You live in that place where you, you're a son. You have everything that your father has. And we, I have this power, this authority. But you know what? I'm walking around like a servant. And uh, Paul says it's absolutely possible to walk around like that. It's like somebody who has $100 billion in their account. And every day they go to work and punch the time clock. Oh, another day, another dollar. Oh, too much. How's it go? Too much month, too little money. And the whole time you got $100 billion in your bank account, you don't even know it. It's very possible for us to live like that. The thing is that most of us believe that we're sons. We've got that. We read the scripture. Most of us would say, oh, yeah, I believe I'm a son. But we don't, we don't live in that place. We haven't gone from believing to knowing. Like Jay talked about last week. That was a great job, man. Talking about how do we move from believing to knowing? How do we get it settled? Like the fish doesn't believe he's swimming in the water. He just, that's just his life. He just knows it. He doesn't have to think about it. Doesn't have to like, you know, what is water, hydrogen, oxygen? It just, he's in the water, right? This is... This is where we're supposed to be. We're, we need, like, we believe these scriptures that we've been brought into Christ. We believe this. But where is the living out of it? Because the only scripture that you know is the scripture that you can live out. Otherwise, it's just piling up in your head. If you can't live it out, you don't really know it. So how do we go from believing to knowing? The answer to that is in intimacy with God. And boy, I could talk about this. Forget talking about Galatians. I just want to talk about intimacy. We'll break for lunch. We'll come back. And then for the next 15 days, I'm just going to talk about intimacy with God. Because man, you could, you could get me started and I could just go on that. But let's look at chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. He says, When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, crying, Daddy, Father. So now you are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So why then, when you didn't know God, or how be it then, when you, when you knew not God, you did serve those things which by nature were not God's. But now that you have known God, or rather, I love this, or rather are known by God, how is it that again you turn to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? How do we take this thing from believing to knowing to where, like that kid in the police station, we walk out, and we just manifest our Father everywhere we go. Not trying, not saying, oh God, what, what am I supposed to do here or there in this situation? What am I? Just letting God move through us. How do we go from belief to knowing? And it's just intimacy. Verse 6, he says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Daddy, Father. 
daddy. It was a, I spent a long, big chunk of my life, not that, I'm, not that I'm that old, but I spent a big chunk of my life not knowing God as a dad. It's amazing. He's so good. He has only good things to give us. He's awesome, guys. He's a father. And his spirit in us allows us to know him that way. The spirit of Jesus is in us. Jesus was right there with the father. Loving him. Always in his presence. And his spirit is in us. Allowing us to have that same intimate communion with him. Verse 9 mentions, like I just read a minute ago. I really like that part. It says, now after you've known God, or rather are known of God. See, we can know the facts about who we are in Christ. We can know all the facts about what he's done for us. But that doesn't take the place of presence, of intimacy. Like I, I, know, I know a lot of stuff about my wife. I know her hair color, her eye color. I know her birthday. And if you asked me to tell you, well, tell me about April. I wouldn't tell you about that stuff. Well, her birthday's in October. You know, I'm not going to give you the facts. She's a teacher. That's not, you know, I can know a lot about her, but none of that takes the place of intimacy. Intimacy, intimacy with God. Not just knowing him, not just knowing about him, but being known by him. So this thing of moving from believing to knowing, it comes from being in the secret place, on our knees, in the presence of God, just letting him wash over us in that overwhelming, intoxicating love, drinking him in, telling him, oh God, you are so good, you're amazing, I adore you, I love you, I worship you, and just letting him. Guys, you start telling him, you start confessing this stuff about who you are to him, letting him know like he doesn't already know, but telling him, God, You've brought me into this thing. You are in me. I am in you. Where Christ is in the Father. What does all of this mean, God? You've brought me into this thing. You have, uh, you have saved me, and I, did, I didn't do anything to deserve it. God, you've given me everything. You've blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and I did nothing to deserve this. God, how do you see me as perfect? How do you see me as holy? I can't believe it. It's so amazing. And just listen to what he tells you back, because he's going to tell you your identity then. He's going to speak that into you. And all the words in this book are great. And I will, never say, I will never say anything else. The words in this book are awesome. But when the Spirit of God speaks those words back to you, it makes that come alive. It puts that from here and moves it down into here. Where you know it intrinsically. It just becomes a part of who you are. Where you can... You, you will begin to find your identity in that place. Because as you are just pouring yourself out to God and drinking in his presence and just oh, allowing yourself to be caught up in that supernatural, amazing spiritual bliss, whatever you want to call it, where he's just loving you and loving you and loving you. He's speaking to you who you are. He's telling you, I love you. I love being with you. Don't leave me yet. Five more minutes. Spend five more minutes with me. 
And he loves us, guys. He doesn't just love us. He likes to be with us. I live in you. I chose you. I like living in you. You are worth the blood of Jesus. You're amazing. I love it, guys. It's what we were made for. It's what we were made for, guys. We weren't made for anything else but just to receive the love of God, to love him back, and just let it wash over us. When we do that, guys, when we spend time in that place and let him communicate our identity to us, sorry, we just let him communicate that identity to us, we realize in that place, guys, that we're loved unconditionally. We are loved unconditionally. We can't do anything to make him love us more. We can't do anything to make him love us less. We are so loved. We're so accepted in the beloved. He tells us that we're accepted. He tells us that we belong to him. He tells us he likes to be with us. There's no working in that. There's no striving. There's no trying to drum it up. It's just letting him, letting him call us in, call us deeper and deeper and deeper into himself. There's really nothing else like it. It's just letting his wild, passionate love for us change us and move us on the inside. And we can get up from that place. When you spend time in that place and letting Holy Spirit speak to you and move in you like that, you can get up from that place carrying the presence and the love of your Father. And you can let him out. You don't have to do anything. Just let him out. A couple of months ago, I was at a place in uh, Tampa. Went to a conference. Murata was there. And uh, I went by myself. I didn't know anybody there until I found out she was there. And um, so I, I met a few people and we went out for, uh, for dinner one night. And we went to this little mom and pop kind of place up at the, uh, it's one of these places you go in, you walk up to the counter, you order your food, and then when it's ready, you just sit. And they tell you, oh, you know, you order number seven, you go and get it, and you sit down. And uh, so we ordered our food, went, sat down, and we started eating. And uh, there was no one in the restaurant when we got there. Two people walked in, two ladies, and one of them had this big, like, metal, I'd never seen anything like it, brace on her arm. So she ordered, they ordered their food, and then uh, we jumped up and paid for it before they could. We're like, whoa, swipe the card. Gotcha. And um, so she's like, what, what was that for? And we said, we just want to bless you. Can we bless you for a minute? And uh, she was like, oh, okay, sure. So I asked her, we asked her, like, what's, what's wrong with your arm? And she said she had really bad tendinitis. And we said, I'm going to pray for you right now, and Jesus is going to heal that tendinitis. And uh, she's like, okay. So we prayed for her, and uh, she's moving her arm around, moving her fingers, can't find the pain in her arm, and um, she's starting to cry. I mean, she's just, she's crying. The lady that was with her, she didn't have anything she needed prayer for physically, so we were like, man, can we just tell you what we feel like is on God's heart for you? And we just started speaking into her life, and she's bawling. We can't help it. We're all crying. It's a mess. All the people that work at the restaurant have come out. They're crowded around the counter. You know, all the people from the kitchen, they're all just watching what's going on. And uh, we finished praying for these ladies and 
pretty soon, while they sat down to wait for their food, we sat down to eat our food, and uh, their food was ready. So they, they got their food, and they had ordered it to go. Well, just right about the time they got their food, another lady walked in, and she was limping, like severely, limping really bad. We saw her from the parking lot. We were like, oh, this lady's going to get it when she walks in here. <laughs> and uh, just limping severely. So we asked her, what's, you know, we see you're limping. What's, what's up with that? And she said that she had some sciatic stuff that was happening in her back going down her right leg. So we said, well, this lady over here, she used to have tendonitis. <laughs> we're like, come on over here. So the lady with the tendonitis who had just got her food, we're like, hey, you want to pray for her? And uh, so she prayed for her. Then we prayed for the lady with the, the sciatic. And so she's over there in the restaurant. Of course, everyone at the restaurant is still huddled around the counter watching. And this lady, is she's doing like squats and bends and everything is good. Like she had a whole little calisthenic program going on there. Can't, can't find the pain anywhere in her body. And uh, so she's crying. So we, you know, we just talked to her for a few minutes. But while we were praying for her, the first people that had already got their food, that they ordered to go. The, the to-go boxes are just sitting there. Like, they're sitting at their, at their table. And I said to them, like, you guys, I was like, your food's going to get cold. Are you, gonna, are you guys going to go and eat? And she said, no, we just, we just want to be around you guys. <laughs> I'm not trying to take any credit for any of that, guys, but these kind of stories, they, they do something to stir things up within us. Like that, that presence of God, they wanted to be around that. Yeah. You know, Holy Spirit came down in a little gyro, 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 how do you say that? <laughs> One of those places. And uh, like the whole, you know, the whole staff is out there. We're like, we, we tried our best to get this. They didn't want prayer. They were of another faith and that's fine. But we're like, man, come on. Can we pray for you guys? You got anything wrong with you? Can we pray for you? No, that's okay. That's okay. But they sure liked watching. Yeah. They sure wanted to be around it. You know, there's something about that, guys. It's just, you don't have to work it up. Yeah. We weren't standing there like, okay, how do you pray for someone with sciatic pain? What, which, uh, which, which demon do we have to rebuke to get, come on. And just, we just let it out. Um, the love of God, the presence of God, just absolutely melt the most bitter, bent up heart. There's nothing that can stand in the way of it. When you get into that presence of God and you let that, you let your heart stay in that place, you can get up and go out and do that. There's no one in the world who wouldn't want that. That stirs me up. That makes me want to leave here and do that. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.